Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? It's the CHGO Cubs podcast. It is MLK Day. And we are live at 1.30 on a beautiful, cold Monday in Chicago. Luke Stuckmeyer, Ryan Herrera, and Cody Del Mendo, fresh off the Cubs convention of 2024. Uh, got to see a lot of people there. Thanks to everybody that said hello. Uh, Cody was out there shaking hands, too. He was part of the group. We were all out there at some point over the weekend. Uh, man, it was cold. Kissed a few babies. Kissed a few babies, yeah. People are saying. Allegedly. Well, also, people kept chanting my name the entire yeah, that's weekend. Right. I knew that was It was be, so yeah. weird. Like, I Cody, don't understand why Cody. people were chanting my name the entire weekend. I mean, if you just wanted to say hi, that's all you had to do. Right. You didn't have to chant my name. Or at least a belly chant would have, <laughs> you know, clarified some things uh, for us, right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. My favorite part of the joke was being able to finally say it on the show. So I will I will I will now be done with the joke. It has made its rounds. It's over. It's over. But uh, it was fun. It was fun while it lasted. I mean, it was the topic of conversation. We'll get to it here in the in the uh, first segment that it was a lot about Bellinger, but what were your, what were your other takeaways from Cubs convention? Did you did you have a good time? <sighs> Did you enjoy it? Yeah. It felt to me like there were less people there. I don't know if that's because it was so cold on Saturday or mm-hmm. or if it was just, I don't know. When when I arrived Friday, I arrived right when Imanaga was doing his press conference. Which was amazing. Which was amazing, yes. Um, and I did feel like there were less people there. But by the time the opening ceremonies began, that ballroom was packed. So... Perhaps maybe less people, but at least for those opening ceremonies, it did look pretty packed. And then on Saturday, I mean, those lines for autographs were ridiculously long. I would still assume that there were still a ton of people who showed up. But my overall thoughts, um, it's it's tough and I can't necessarily, well, I guess I could complain about Jed in this slow process, but that's not necessarily Jed's fault. That's probably more of Scott Boris's fault. It just, there were so many times where the players during these panels and stuff were put in a position where they had to basically hype the team up when we all know that they're just talking out their ass because it's like 
they believe that the Cubs are going to add to this roster. But like, it's kind of a slap in the face to the 2016 team when someone asked Kyle Hendricks if Justin Steele's the next John Lester when he's <laughs> sitting right next to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then he says the same thing about Jordan Wicks, who's right next to Jordan, uh, right next to Justin Steele. And it's like, I can't be, I'm not upset with Kyle Hendricks saying that, but the fact that fans asking questions actually put him in position to actually basically say it because what else are they going to say at a fan fest? You know what I mean? Like it's so almost it, as if the fans weren't professional reporters. <laughs> well, right. And, it's almost but, as if some fans don't know what they're talking about. Exactly. Exactly. So like well, some reporters I, don't either. It, it was, there was a lot of just like, you know, talking out of your ass, like, just trying to get the fans excited and, you know, the players showing they're excited for spring training and all this. And like, I get it. What else are you going to say? What else are you going to do? It's Cubs con. That's just how it works. And so I'm not necessarily mad about it. It's just more of like, I, I, I rolled my eyes a handful of times because of these types of things, because we, we just don't know what this roster is going to look like on opening day. And I, I hope, listen, I hope Justin Steele turns into the next John Lester. And I hope Jordan Wicks becomes a really valuable pitcher down the road too. But like, I mean, come on, man. Like it's almost a slap in the face to John Lester. All right. So it, there, there was things like that that kind of annoyed me. The, the fact that they took the voucher away for the autograph signings, like there was someone in my Twitter space last night complaining about how like they he stood in line for Dansby uh, and Justin and Nico for so long and then didn't get any of them because it was first come first serve. And those guys only had like not even an app. They weren't in their spots for an hour and those lines were ridiculously long. It was always better when they did the vouchers because at least everyone got a chance. If you did at least get one for a player, you would at least get a chance to meet someone, you know. And so I, I'm sure there were a lot of fans that were left disappointed that they weren't able to get at least the more popular guys on the team. That's probably my one complaint related to like outside of like the panels. But overall, like it was same shit, different year, at least in my opinion. The Cubs followed our pattern, though. They went voucher free. We haven't had vouchers for like three years for our autographs now. That's (laughs) true. Go ahead. I I guess maybe it's an unpopular opinion, but I I like the no voucher thing. Oh. I I like, I like, get there. If you want this guy, you know, like, show me you want it. That's fair. You're not going to get everyone. You're not going to get everyone. (laughs) When I was, when I was a young, spry little boy, I sat in line for four years ago. <laughs> I, I, uh, okay. Well, that's what, like a hundred years ago for you. Uh, that's right. I sat in line four for lifetimes ago. I sat in line for four hours waiting for Alfonso Soriano. Wow. And I got him. That, that's uh, so, dedication so, right yeah, there. That's so, perseverance. So, so, uh, I'm of, I'm the person that says, if you want this person, go get in line and get them, be All there, right. be there early, be on time, whatever. And, and make sure you are far enough in line that you're going to get this guy because you know what, life's not fair. Yeah, life's not fair. You're not going to get everyone. I'm sorry if you didn't get them and you really wanted to, but yeah. should have got there earlier. I, I, I mean, listen, like even when they do the vouchers, it's not like everyone's getting a chance anyway. So, like in some aspects, like I kind of am with you on that. I just, to me, just it's a little bit too unorganized because those lines were going out of that like that room in the bot at the bottom floor in that hotel. And it's like, okay guys, like Cubs, you can do better. Well, maybe this. if they were to like cut it off at some point, be like, yeah. like there's no way you guys are going to get to upside right. Maybe go get exactly. the line. Maybe and and so like, better. you know, I, maybe it's because I've gone every, all, almost every year since 2015, but like, I'm just kind of like, they, 
I think they they do these surveys, they get people's thoughts on how to do things. And it's just like, sometimes I feel like the Cubs do some things and then they don't try and improve some of the things that people complain about the most. So I don't know. I, like the lineup. Yeah, that's fair <laughs> too, right? But overall, I thought the panels were good outside of what I said earlier. Um, the kids only press conference continues to be the best thing about CubsCon in my opinion. Was there a, a specific question that was asked that well my probably my favorite part of the kids only press conference was when patrick wisdom did the push-ups with that one kid who said that he could do more than him and and then you know it's all over the internet now you could probably go find it it was a pretty funny moment did wisdom win no (laughs) for obvious he's conceded i think the uh i do think the, the kids press conference is one of the best things they do right and you know the kids aren't going to go up and ask hard-hitting questions or anything but the players that they put on there usually make it more fun than maybe others could right like Patrick Wisdom is perfect for that kind of stuff he's Mm. you know he's a fan favorite even if he's not the best player on the team uh very outgoing personality um Mm. and you know he's a great talker and so like when they I think they put him out there the last two years for the the kids he basically hosts yeah so like at least Miniker went out there with him but like he's hosting it, he, yeah. he started so it I whenever think, it happens. So. I think uh, having like him out there. Um, who else is on the panel? Like um, it was Pete PCA, Armstrong was out there. PCA, Michael Bush, and Abbott Alzale and yeah, Clark yeah, yeah. the Cub. Clark the Cub. Which I was gonna. I there was a point where I I passed Clark the Cub and I really thought of taking a picture with him uh-huh. so I could bring it on the show just to show the right. chat. You here's mean a proof. selfie? Like, here's, you're referring to a selfie. Here's proof. That I am not Clark the Cub. That you're not Clark the Cub. But I didn't do it. So <laughs> a two-person selfie. Yeah. Not yeah, a solo I'll, selfie. I'm taking yeah. a picture with yeah. him to be like, here's picture proof that I'm not Clark the Cub. But no, so that, and like you, I think you mentioned it, like Pete Crow Armstrong, um, you know, top prospect. Oh, Every, yeah. Everyone knows the name, um, but he, you know, obviously wasn't around the major league team long enough to really get to show his own personality. So stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that like, was probably, yeah, I think, was, I think stuff like that allows mm-hmm. not just Pico Armstrong, but you know, Adbert and Michael Bush, who no one had met before, right. uh, you know, Friday or yesterday, whatever gives them an opportunity to kind of show in a, in a more lighthearted, you know, it's kids, right? It's kids. Yeah. Has a more lighthearted environment um, to show people like mm-hmm. who they are, show off their personality, have some fun. I, that's why I like the kids press conference. And obviously the kids make it a lot yeah. of fun too. Yeah. I tweeted the other night, and I think that's what you were alluding to, Ryan. Uh, I thought he showed his personality for the first time. Like, I think we all kind of have an idea of what PCA's personality was, but him with a mic in front of his hand, like in front of his face, like answering these these hilarious questions that kids are asking. And like, you got to see a little bit of that personality. And like, I just, I just know. I just, if, if he pans out, I just know. I, I feel it deep in my uh, soul that PCA is going to be beloved by the kids at Wrigley field and guys like me and other fans like millennials who are older will also love him, but he will be hated by Milwaukee, St. Louis, and probably the fans on the South side too. Sounds good. So yeah. Also <laughs> he has, good. he had electric hair too. And I almost went and just hammered him for rookie of the year because of the hair alone. But he came in and and I thought he gave a really good impression for like just the 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 human side of him and everything and we just we didn't really know a ton about that in my opinion going into it so I mean that's kind of what these conventions are all about like what else are you going to learn other than you know 
Jed saying that all the same stuff about Cody Bellinger or, you know, they, they kind of talked about the, how they were actually trying to get Otani, which was actually surprising to me that they actually said something related to it, but you're not going to learn a ton from it in terms of like, move, like free agent moves and stuff like that. Like anyone who goes into Cubs convention and thinks that's like stuff like that is going to come out. You're, you're setting yourself up for, to be hurt again. You know what I mean? So it, to me, it's all about, you know, learning about personalities from certain players, getting to know guys that maybe you don't know a ton about and stuff like that. And then just, you know, gathering with other Cubs fans that you might know that you see at Cubs convention every year. Or like in my case, like it's kind of like a gathering of a lot of people from Cubs Twitter every year. Mm -hmm. And like, listen, there's a lot of people on Cubs Twitter. I don't like it because they say some of the dumbest shit, but there's also a handful of people that I've met because of the Cubs convention uh, from Cubs Twitter. And, you know, we, re- we have remained friends over the years. And like, to me, that's really cool. And it shows how, like, how much the Cubs have brought people together. And I, I think, again, I think that's really cool. Two things. One, uh, I like the idea of a kid challenging Patrick Wisdom to a push-up contest. <laughs> now, next year, I'd like to see the adults, somebody like Crawley challenge <laughs> Patrick Wisdom. Okay. Uh, oh, speak, speaking of Crawley, it was pretty funny when Jed basically trolled him. Like very yeah, first question in the ba- in the baseball ops oppressor, and uh, we love Crawley here, obviously. But like it was pretty funny because he sent that tweet related to Morell not being at the right. convention and ended he up being a visa deal. That yeah, he yeah, there. and he questioned like, is he getting trade or whatever? And then Jed basically like trolled him, and he's the one who asked the question about it. it was now what it Crawley was tweeted technically was not incorrect. It was, it was not it, weather related. It right? was yeah, not weather related that he was not there. It was visa related. Visa related, yes. But it wasn't a bye bye. Yeah, he's been traded. Uh, <laughs> the other thing was, and I think I saw Becky at the very beginning of the live chat, which is the best way to enjoy the CHGO experience live YouTube chat. Um, make sure you subscribe CHGO Sports so you don't miss any shows. Um, I think Becky said something about Craig Council that she was all in, and I was. Mm. It just seemed to me, just reading some of the social stuff and kind of the vibe going around the hallways, that a guy who would have been looked viewed as the absolute enemy and a really annoying, you want to punch the guy in the face guy. Like I've said yeah. that. Like he kind of has that annoying, like when he was when he was the enemy, he seemed like kind of annoying. Yeah. I think Craig Council seems like he won over Cubs fans in one weekend. Like in one weekend, I've I everybody seems to think like this guy's my favorite. I've heard multiple people say, "Well, he's not who I thought he was." Yeah, I think. And then you look at he's just the guy in the other dugout when he's a Brewers man. Yeah, like, and a guy and a really good manager in the other dugout. But like you don't know anything about him as you know if you're a Cubs fan. Like just, that's just the guy that's running the team that keeps beating you every year. It had to be that he was the Brewers guy, and he always seems kind of yeah. angry over there. Yeah, yeah. but but, then but. He, yeah, but then like like whether it was during his panel, or we've gotten to interact with him yep. media a, a few times, um, and and you realize you get a little bit more under the the surface, and he has a really good personality, a little self deprecating sometimes, but it's just like he he's a good person and then when he talks about baseball you tell you could tell he just absolutely understands the game better than most people do um and so like and you know most managers do right but they were managers of major league baseball teams for a reason but you can tell like why craig council is so good at what he does and there was there was one thing i really liked and i wasn't actually at the panel when um his his 
panel in the, in the main ballroom, but I think he said something like, um, he's operating under like the, like, you don't think I can do it. So watch me something like that. And I think that's such a good mindset to have. It's just like, just even if people aren't like, don't, don't believe in you. Right. Just like act like they don't or act, act like they don't believe in you so that you go into it trying to prove someone wrong. Even if you're not actually proving anyone wrong, you're always going into it trying to be like, how can I do this to prove my doubters wrong? And so I think mm. that's a great mindset for correct counsel to have. And then, you know, getting a chance, it's really the first chance that, um, you know, media has gotten to talk to most of the players since the correct counsel signing even happened, mm-hmm. right? That was after the World Series. So it's been a couple of months since it happened. Um, and, you know, all the players talking about, yeah, no, we were shocked. We didn't know, like, we all got the news the same time you guys did. Uh, but talking about getting to have conversations with Craig Council and, um, you know, meeting him in person or, or doing whatever it is with him uh, that they've gotten to do over the last two months. And you listen to them talk about it, and it's like, like these guys, as much as a lot of these guys really like David Ross, the, to hear them talk about Craig Council, it's like they truly, truly believe he is the right guy to lead this team right now. Yeah. So, so it's it, 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 a lot of the things you, you, that happened over this weekend, it just like, it, it, at least on the surface, right? like what, what they're saying publicly proves that everyone in the organization, again, as much as they all respect and like David Ross, are all in on, on this Craig Council move. Two things on council for me. One, whoever got him the Travis Scott, Jordan 1 Lowe's, credit to you, brother. Two, I need to start the look of wearing a blazer with a hoodie under it. I think that yeah. is an underrated look. Maybe that salmon one you have? Perhaps, eh, nah, yeah, that's yeah, too yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, salmon blazer. In the summertime, maybe. But a cold summer day. I thought, you know, the way that I've, and I say these like things, yes, it is a joke and whatever. But at the same time, like I've always viewed Craig Council as this like always serious, like never shows personality whatsoever. Of course, like that's how I viewed him when he was with Milwaukee. And I felt like he showed a little bit of that personality this weekend. Um, on top of just, you know, his philosophies on man, being a manager and stuff. I want to back to Crawley. I think he asked him or a question, real, like managerial question. And he said something along the lines of the best players are going to play. And like, you can go back and remember that David Ross said, you know, we're going to play the players that got us here, you know? And so there's obviously a complete different view on, on that. Right. So I think if you're excited about certain young players, I don't know who Craig council thinks are the best players, but I think you're going to see lineups that are a little bit more consistent that you'll probably see, you know, the best hitters on this roster be at the top of the lineup, kind of like how we saw in Milwaukee where Christian Yelich was leading off every game and William Contreras was right behind him. It was always those two, the top of the lineup. Those were two were their best players. So if Cody, if Cody Bellinger is on this roster next year, I could see Cody Bellinger batting second. You know what I mean? Yep. With e, maybe Ian Happ is leading Thank off you. because he has one of the best uh, on base percentages. You know, like those two are as far as best hitters on this team. I would say Ian Happ and Cody Bellinger, if Cody Bellinger is back, which we all believe that he will be I believe those guys could be top two in your lineup every single day and I don't mind that and with and then we'll see where the rest of the lineup goes but again the he's the the big thing that he said over the weekend to me was that the best players are going to play and so I think that opens up opportunities for a lot of young guys that we all wanted to see more of last year that we didn't and also 
we're not going to be complaining about Bellinger hitting fourth and being left in the on-deck circle you, yes. whenever it's the ninth inning and the Cubs have a couple guys on base and it's a tie game or it's they're down by one run and so-and-so strikes out and leaves Bellinger in the on-deck circle. You know what I mean? So I, the philosophy and managerial st- uh, style, I think, was definitely highlighted, and I think that's something we should all be excited about. Bellinger conversation, whether it was amongst the fans the team, the team talking about it, the players talking about it, everybody talking about it, Dansby Swanson talking about it. That was the conversation that dominated the weekend. Everybody wanted to see Cody Bellinger walk through the, through the doors at the uh, Sheridan. But we do have Jed Hoyer talking about, and this, this is Bellinger related, about Michael Bush and where he will likely play, right? I thought it was unbelievable that they pulled off that trade <laughs> and got him to Chicago with that weather. Yeah. Two Cubs mm-hmm. convention that quickly. Um, but this is Jed Hoyer uh, when asked about Michael Bush and where he might play. And, you know, it's it's possible leverage to try and as well to see what Cody Bellinger might end up signing for. Let, let, do we have that, Sarah? Uh, he's certainly going to play, there's no question. Uh, you know, uh, except to Craig, where I think first base is a, uh, obviously a natural uh, spot for him. He's played there a lot. Uh, but certainly his versatility is also attractive. But, you know, he's uh, obviously in the minor leagues. He's, he's performing perfectly well. Um, he's going to hit right-hand pitching. I have no question about that. And, you know, obviously, you know, the Dodgers, um, you know, when you have a future Hall of Famer, a DH, and a first and a second, it doesn't leave a lot of playing time for other people. And, um, Hopefully that, that's something that we could uh, benefit from. Does it most likely um, prevent you from getting another first baseman? Is this your first, you know, your your first base acquisition? I mean, like I said, he's certainly gonna he's certainly gonna play. Um, how the rest of the offseason plays out, we'll see. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's my mindset is that I think first base is the most natural spot for him. Okay, so you know, I obviously Cody Bellinger, I I think is a better first baseman than Bush. Without having seen Bush, I can say that because. I think Bellinger's a great first baseman. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I mean, they still need him. And, and I think everybody knows that. Every player that we talked to was like, oh, got to bring Bellinger back. And for Dansby Swanson, kind of the leader of the team, to basically say, before we get to the end of the winter, we need to bring Belly back. I don't think that was to just play up to the fans. I think it's been a message that he's delivered himself to the front mm-hmm. office. Like, we we need this guy. And, and they know it. Like, even... Even Jed Hoyer said, we, we really, really, okay, show show how much you like him. You're going to have to overpay for him a little bit. Just go ahead and do it. Yeah, I mean, you know, listening to Jed talk about Michael Bush, you know, obviously specifically in that clip, but not, you know, not saying that they don't need a first baseman, but not, not right. saying it all. So, like, very GM, president, like, front office speak where it's like, yeah, like, we think he can play first base. Like, it's a natural position for him, but... Then, nice then, DH then, too. then you're asked, are you, are you uh, like pretty, pretty much asked, are you out on first baseman now? And then really doesn't answer that. Right. So it's, it's a, right. it's a leverage play. He's not going to say they're not, he's not going to say they are um, a little bit of leverage. So I, I do think, you know, and, and at the end of the season, his end of season press conference, Jed did say that they would love to have, have Cody back at one point. Um, since then, since we've talked to him, he's kind of like continued to sing his praises about their experience with him in 2023. But without giving much of anything about their current pursuit of him or any conversations they've had. Um, but I, I, you know, I do reading between the lines, like I, I, they, he's talking about, you know, being better hitting right-handed pitching. 
you know, Cody Bellinger's a left-handed bat with slugging ability, right? Yep. Like he's giving all these like things of like what they want to do is, you know, the off season's not over all this stuff. And Cody Bellinger fits this team, whether that's in center field right now on opening day, whether that's the first base, wherever it is, like Cody Bellinger fits this team in multiple different ways. And so, yeah, they, I mean, and I also kind of asked this question to Jed more of a general, more generally, but just like, because Cody Bellinger is a risk. Because he has one, he had sure. one great season last year. But that's coming off was a, a down season, like in twenty was a twenty twenty right a down season in twenty twenty, and then two pretty bad seasons in twenty one and twenty two to the point where he got non tendered by the Dodgers. So yes, he has a great ceiling, which is where he has you know the high reward factor. But he also has like we've we've seen the floor go pretty low, whether that's because of injuries or underperformance. So the risk is there. So this front office is very you know, not, not completely risk averse, but they, they want to maximize the reward while minimizing the value as any front office should, or minimizing the risk as any front office should, right? They want to, they want to get the rewards while not really having to take a huge risk. Right. Um, But Cody Bellinger is a a risk reward type of player, just because you've seen how the, how the career has gone, you know, teams have um, concerns with his underlying numbers in in some ways. So um, it, it, you know, and I asked him just generally, like if a play a risky player like that presents himself that you want, how do you balance that with you know that that risk reward factor? And he, you know, it was kind of just like uh, you know, when when you're talking about guys, you know, long term deals and guys are getting toward you know that are going to go past guys' primes, right. that's a risk. Um, all this different stuff, big money that you you might be committing to guys that you know are a risk. That's all you know. That's all a risk. So, um, I think Jed is truly trying to balance like what is a proper value for Cody Bellinger where the balance between, you know, finding value and also the, the risk reward factor still can work in your favor. Uh, I think Jed's, I think Jed's still trying to figure that out. I think Scott Boris is still trying to figure that out. Um, As my guy, Stacy King says, if you're scared, go buy a dog. Yeah. So (laughs) you gotta, you gotta play the game sooner or later. Yeah. So, but, but to that point, Whatever the whatever the Scott Boris's team is asking for Cody Bellinger, clearly it's too much because thirty all thirty MLB MLB yep. teams have not paid the price for Cody Bellinger, and we're sitting here in mid January. So clearly, whatever he, they're asking for is just more than what any team is comfortable giving Cody Bellinger. So I don't know. I I think when it comes to Scott Boris clients, yeah, you might have to wait a little bit longer than potentially other teams. But um, again, I go back to the Cubs want him back. They they, they I think they truly do. Um, it just, how do you balance what you, you know, balancing what you'd have to give him to get him back with that risk reward factor. I think that's still what they're trying to kind of come to terms with in the front office. And so I, again, I don't, I don't know. It could happen next week. It could not be till spring training's already started that mm. you see Cody Bellinger make a Dexter Fowler type entrance uh, to the Arizona complex, but um, there's still a process and Cody yeah. Bellinger's going through the process. The Cubs are going through the process. And um, you know, I guess obviously the hope is that the two sides come to terms that they can agree on they meet in the middle somewhere but um you know that remains to be seen it's 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 not happened yet but it also hasn't happened with any of the other 29 MLB teams i i've po- i posed this question in my twitter space last night and i asked like do, when does cody bellinger want to be done with this process like do you do you think at all that he is like exhausted with this by now no you don't think so no i mean 
Because I, I, I think that it's still possible that he takes not necessarily a Carlos Correa type deal before he got the big deal last offseason, but maybe one that has an opt out after one year or two years, right? And he's 28. And to me, he has to know that the reason his market is where it's at right now and that no one has signed him is because people are or teams are scared because he had a good year this past year, but he had two and a half bad years yeah. before that, right? Yeah. Like Ryan said. Yeah. And so like it and I keep saying this. The longer he stays on the market, the better it is for the Cubs because there are plenty of teams that could have already jumped out and overpaid for him, and they haven't. It's not just the Cubs. It's the entire league. The entire league has been okay with him sitting out there because they know what Boris is asking for right now, and no team is willing to do it. So that's why I pose the question of, you know, if you're Cody Bellinger, like, call up Scott and be like, man, like... When is this going to end, man? He doesn't panic until it's getting really close to spring training and he's not sure where he should go. Right. You know, I, I don't know. I, he, it's he, just doesn't a, he seem, I mean, the guy seems pretty chill. Yeah. <laughs> well, he always looks chill because, yeah, you know, you know the say. memes. Yeah. But, you know, I that's just a, a question to me. Like, I, I, don't, I don't feel like players like going into, Couple you know, weeks. spring training, uh, you know, not knowing where they're going and, and signing in spring training. I, I'm sure he's working out wherever he's working yeah. out and he's doing what he's got to do to, you know, be what he needs to be. But same time, like it's this week no, or next week, I do think. I and, hope so. And, 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 I think well, it is. Also, I think it's this week or next it's week. It's also different for position players because they don't necessarily need the amount of the full spring training to ramp up like pitchers do. So position players can can also just go a little deeper into spring training to get deals done. Um, as far as like, I think for the most part, guys would like to know where they're playing by spring training. I think just generally, like you'd, you'd want to know where your future lies before you kind of like work starts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think, you know, Bellinger is trying to cash in on a season after two down years. I think he is, you know, I, again, just speculation. I've not talked to Cody Bellinger about it, but I think he knows you know, he's obviously felt the high highs of playing Major League Baseball. He's also felt the low lows of it. Um, and if he, you know, he hired Scott Boris for a reason. If, if Scott Boris can get him the best deal he can, like I don't think I don't think Cody Bellinger has a problem with. It. I don't think Cody Bellinger has a problem with waiting and seeing what Scott Boris can do because Scott Boris is known as one of the best agents in sports for a reason. Like he is. So um, I, I don't I don't think Bellinger is worried about like getting a deal done on spring training. If, if Boris can get him a better deal, I mean, I, I, I would say he's on board, but I also would say like, if it was me, I'd be on board too. Yeah. You know, if I'm, I'm willing to wait for my 200 million. Yeah. I'll, I'll, if you can give me 200 million over 10 years, sure. Or eight years, whatever it is. Sure. I'll take $200 million. Absolutely. Like if I have to wait two, three extra weeks to know where I'm going, sure. I'll, you know, I'll keep working out on my own. I'll start ramping up on my own. Give me the best deal you can. I wouldn't blame Bellinger if that is indeed his, mindset i would not i would not blame him at all i wouldn't i'm, I'm happy to just sit here and uh, you know go on my circus sportsbook app cody and you know hang out and try and make money that way until somebody gives me the big bag of cash <laughs> yes circa is the best place to go right now with what the weather is and with all the sports that we have going on right now college basketball day today on mlk day on top of we got two nfl mm-hmm. games tonight uh what in an hour by the way if you have a shovel please go to buffalo there you go. Yeah, if you have a shovel, go to Buffalo. Uh, Steelers plus 10. That's what I'm taking in a 3.30 game here uh, this afternoon. 
Uh, and I did it all on Circa. And one of the reasons I love Circa is their tight money line splits. Games will strive to be a minus 110 split on the Circa Sports menu, unlike other sports books, which may use minus 115 or minus 120. Circa Sports keeps as little money as possible on large market bets, especially compared to other books. They don't limit players based on their winnings either, right? Every player has the same limits, unlike other books who do limit winning players. They actually encourage bettors to download and explore all sports betting apps available to compare the lines from each sports book. So uh, that's one of the very, very uh, interesting things about them that make them stand out, in my opinion. Uh, and then finally, their customer service. It, it's the best because they don't have chatbots. I wish chatbots would just go away. I hate chatbots. Um, and they don't have those at Circo, right? So, you know, they, all aspects of their app are being run by the same team that runs the main Circo Sportsbook at Circo Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. This second, my second favorite place on earth behind Wrigley Field. Um, so download the, Cir the Circus Sports Illinois app at circusports.com slash Illinois app to sign up today. Also be on the lookout for Circa events, watch parties, and tailgates. If you or someone you may know have a problem with gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER, text GAMB to 833-234, or visit areyoureallywinning.com. You know what we love just as much as Circus Sportsbook? Uh, Midtown Athletic Club. Midtown Athletic Club. We love and Midtown Rice Athletic. Krispie Treats. And Rice Krispie Treats, but we're not sponsored by Rice Krispie Treats That's yet. That's right. Yet. Yet. That, that could be our, you know, for the rally, right? Excellent Krispie point. Thing. There we go. We should get on that. But let me tell you about Midtown Athletic Club. Midtown's got four Chicagoland locations. They're out in Palatine in the northwest suburbs. That's Luke's Neck of the Woods. Bannockburn in the North Shore. Willowbrook in the southwest suburbs. And Midtown Athletic Club and Hotel in the middle of Bucktown and Lincoln Park. Actually, Midtown Palatine has launched a multi-million dollar transformation of the club, which will be complete this year, early 2024. Midtown is right now offering no initiation fees this January at their Bannockburn, Palatine, and Willowbrook locations. There's something at these clubs for everyone, whether you're single, like me, whether you got a family and kids, like Luke, if you're looking to make lifestyle changes, or you're looking for holistic wellness, Midtown Athletic Club's got it for you. Midtown is the nicest fitness club I've ever seen, and... It features the basketball court where I dunked for the first time in my life. <laughs> I was there to witness the Co moment. Cody witnessed it. You want to go on Instagram and, and then go take a look. It, it happened. There's video proof of me dunking. Um, they got great features over there. Super luxe locker rooms with wet and dry saunas and premium amenities. Amazing outdoor and indoor pools and hot tubs. A collection of boutique fitness studios with more than 100 classes per week included in the membership. And they're not just gym quality. The spaces are boutique quality, and they feature classes like yoga, boxing, spin and cycling, cross training, group exercises, all that, and more. They also got the best tennis courts and programming in the sport. Midtown has indoor and outdoor tennis, pickleball, and paddle tennis. Probably not going to use the outdoor ones right now. Not at you know? the moment. But it, indoor they ones. Might, they're probably heated, but yeah, still. <laughs> but that's why they got the indoor ones for you. Um it's USTA professional quality all the way. So head over to midtown.com slash CHGO to find out more and to tour the Midtown Athletic Club nearest you. I'm fighting with Barb in the chat. Yeah. Just let the godmother I, I, be angry. I, she, no, 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 how she no. Wants we, to we, cub. Okay, I'm letting her cub how she wants to cub, but like, if she's going to come in the YouTube chat and complain about Jed Hoyer and this Michael Bush trade every single day the rest of the offseason, I'm going to remove her from being godmother and we're going to give it to someone else. <gasps> oh, Barb. Cody. So Barb, Barb like, I, I, just get over it. Barb. I'm at a point where like I can't take it anymore and you're ruining people's moods in the chat. All right. And on the show, apparently. And me, because you're giving me heartburn. No, Barb, listen, you said he's, he's 26, not a good prospect. He is, 
a top 50 prospect, I think, like, consensus. Like, he was the Dodgers' number two prospect. He's a good prospect. Let it play out. I don't... At least give the guy a chance. chance. See, that's, what, that's all I'm asking is give the guy a chance. You, to say that, it's the, that the Cubs already lost the trade is asinine, honestly. Like, you got to give the guy a chance. We're not admit, suspending Barb. You, you literally said that he had that he's just like Mervis because Mervis came up and had 99 play appearances and wasn't good. Well, remember how Rizzo wasn't good for like the first year and a half with the Cubs? And then look how he turned out to be. All right. The first stint in major in your major league career does not always explain who a guy is. So again, and I say this respectfully because you're here every day and I love you, Barb. Give the guy a chance and just chill. Just chill. Okay. Thank Sunny you. Side. I'm done. <laughs> Sorry, side Barb. I just had to get it out. Like I, I'm not the only one in like complaining about it. People in the chat are like, like yelling now, at Barb. Rich says he's not hitting the like button because of Barb. The like button's not for Barb. That's for us. Hit the Hit like the button like for button. us. All right. Come on now. I just love, had to set things straight. We still right? love the Godmother here. We, I again, I do love. love I do you love Barb. Barb. She's here every how day. She wants to cub. She's here every day. I do love Barb. Even right? if we disagree with Barb, we still love her. Still I not agree with her, but I respect her Cub fandom. Fair enough. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, what are they doing with Christopher Morrell? That was the other thing that I just found interesting out of the whole thing. Okay, so we went into the offseason, and we were told we got to find a position for the guy to play, right? Yep. He's too good. We got to find a position for him. And everybody looked around and said, well, he could play first. We need somebody at third. We need somebody at DH, but he's awfully athletic to just be your DH. He's not going to play second over Nico. He's not going to play short over Dansby. So first or third seem like the answers. You have your corner outfielders locked up. And they said, we got to find a position for him. So then he went back to the Dominican League and he was playing first base, right? Well, they said that, and then he's, most of the highlights we all saw was him playing well, he third. Was, he was practicing first base, yeah. but playing a lot of third. And I always asked last offseason, like, why was he not, like, on the Madrigal plan for third base? Right. So now we have a couple of quotes that make me think the Cubs are sort of reshuffling the deck on Christopher Morrell, or they just don't know. They can't figure it out. The first was uh, from Craig Council. And he's talking about, you know, finding a position. He's like, we might get that wrong at the start, but the versatility is something that is going to get him on the field that I think gives a team a floor. Like, where if something doesn't go the way you want it to, this is all right. He's talking about injuries and stuff, the way he originally planned it, that you can make the adjustment and have a lot of options there. I understand it. So another thing makes me think that Craig Council has come into this conversation and said, don't, don't pigeonhole him into a position. Now, I think it's better for him as a player and his development to be in one spot and let him focus and grow, but because mm-hmm. I don't I don't think he's Ben Zobrist. No, I don't either. I don't think he has that ability, but maybe the manager says, hold on, like, go ahead and teach him a position, but let's not just say anoint him one position. The other quote is from Carter Hawkins, Cubs general manager. 
and he was basically asked, why not just play him only at third base in spring training and see if he can handle it? And he's like, well, I don't know if one is better answer or not. Our decision right now is to play him at multiple places and to the extent where we feel like there's better odds and one will continue to put more chips there. But it's just a strategic plan we have at this moment. Doesn't that sound like they backtracked on that idea a little bit? Yeah. I'm so my overall thoughts just from these quotes and what like, you know, based off what I know and I guess what we know as a whole as a podcast now is just like, I feel like the Cubs just don't know. And they're going to go into spring training and they're going to continue to try and work him, get him as many reps as possible at third base and first base. Like, there's just no room for him in the outfield. I don't... Why, I do, why don't they know? I why don't, don't they know. know, Cody? Is it because they acquired Bush and they have Shaw? Or is it because they, they might Bellinger? sign Bellinger? Is, yeah. is it because everything they keep seeing tells them he can't play third base? And right. I'm not sure he can play first. Now, I think it was Jed or Carter also said, yeah, if you can play shortstop, you can play first base. The one position that we do know he can play is second. But to, unfortunately, Nico Horner is there, right? Yeah. Like, if they didn't have Nico Horner, I'd be all about him playing second base. To get that kind of power uh, at second base from a guy like Christopher Morrell for as cheap and as under control that he is would be incredible. But Nico Horner is a gold glove second baseman who has become a leader on this team, led the team in hits last year. Like, there's no, there's no way you can play him at second base, right? So... Yeah, like the, other than second base and probably shortstop, like there's just nowhere you can yeah. put him and be confident. And like, I I was hoping that we would come into the Cubs convention with them having some sort of idea. And so, yeah, I agree, Luke. It does feel like they're backtracking. And I'm just, I all I can do is sit here and put my hands up and just pay attention when we get to spring training and see what they have them doing. We saw all last season pregame, the amount of times we came into this office and watched, uh, you know, before we did pre our own pregames, we'd have Marquee on. They'd be doing their sort of pregame show and they'd show video of Christopher Morrell taking reps at third base and then saw him doing reps at first base. And so, you know, like, OK, he can play. Sometimes it feels like he can play a viable corner outfield. He has a lot of reps in center, but you're not going to play him in center if you have Cody Bellinger and also PCA coming up on top of Mike Tockman, who, you know, is at least going to be a bench bat, which and he can be a guy who can play all three of those outfield positions as well. Canario is also another guy like they just have an influx of outfielders. So I just don't see him in the outfield for the majority of the time in 2024. So it's, to me, it's a combination of first third base DH that that's, that's where it is. And sure. I do think that perhaps his, his game could be more, could, could be more, uh, it, it could evolve with when he finally is just playing one position, but like, it just feels like the Cubs are just so they don't know. And yeah. I, I feel like, well, Some how, of it how much also of that is, is from Morel and, and not yeah, right. on what they've seen that's in the last few years, right? Like that's I, true. That's something well, we have to consider. And, too. I, and I do he showed him he could play third base. I think he'd be playing third yeah, base. Right. Well, and also in some, maybe this is more, you know, tinfoil hat conspiracy theory in my own head is more related to the fact that he has been in, in trade talk all off season. And I don't know, maybe the Cubs aren't trying to give anything away. I, I don't know, but you know that that's the only other thing I can come up with. I, they're just not going to reveal a lot related to to Christopher Morel. So, I think I honestly think I mean maybe that's part of it, but I honestly think it's just like he hasn't shown he can play third base. And like you said, there's just really 
no other full time spots for him right now. I think yeah. that I think that plays a huge part. Is like if he, I get like as Luke said, if he could, if he showed them he could play third base, he would be their third yeah. base. A guy with that much control, that much potential, filling a spot in the lineup and on the field <coughs> that they have a big hole at. Mm. Like if he could, if he could be their everyday third baseman, I would be hard pressed to see them actually be, you know, dangling him in, in trade talks. If if he was showed he could be their everyday third baseman on top of the offensive potential he's already shown, I I wouldn't I don't I don't think we'd find him in trade rumors that much, that much I don't think they'd be looking to trade him if he was that so I think I do think part of that is just he just has not proven that he can play third base as 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 much as they want him to show them consistently um, and then they're just trying to figure out what to do with it. I think that's part of why they were talking about getting him work at first base during winter ball just they, they just don't know and I think part of that is just because Morrell hasn't shown them yet so um I you know I, I like what uh, I think Carter Hawkins said it during the panel uh, comparing it to the Jose Ramirez situation they had in Cle- when he was in Cleveland, yes, um, I don't know what the, eight eight years ago something like that, mm-hmm. um, and talking about like when they had Kipnis at second and Francisco Lindor at shortstop and they were kind of in the similar position like this guy can hit the crap out of the ball but can he play third base? Can he where where can we put yeah. him on the field? And things like that have their find their way of working out right? Yeah. So uh, clearly Jose Ramirez has had a really good career thus far um, for the for the Guardians. So. Yeah, I think I think the comparison is fair in that this guy has an electric bat. We just can't find the spot for him. Can he fill in this role for us? Um, if he can't, I think if he can play their third base you know, majority of games there, I think that's huge for this team. But if they can't, then or if he can't consistently show that he could be that guy for him, then they do have to you know keep him uh, 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 use his versatility in a way. And I think it kind of goes to. Um, we talked to Matt Shaw, you know, Cubs first round pick this last year about the opportunities that might be in front of him. Cause we saw him rise to double a, like so quickly right. after getting drafted um, because he hit the crap out of the ball and he's a solid defender. Uh, and, you know, talking to him about, you know, is major league base, like major leagues, right. Is that on the radar kind of thing? And, 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 you know, Nico's at second, Danger's at shortstop. Those are two of the spots. Literally we asked, like he was asked, you know, have you, um, you know, been working at third base at all because if we're looking at it right now, that's the spot where maybe the most near-term opportunities uh, are for Matt Shaw. And he said he's probably taken about ninety-nine percent of his work this off-season at third base mm. because, and, and you know, I think part of it was because of that mm. the opportunities that third base could hold. But he also said that you know, talking to people, he said he mentioned you know Nico Horner said it uh, to them recently about being versatile and being able to play every position. Like Nico Horner could have came up and played shortstop second or center field, right? Like that was the talk with him. Um, and like Matt Shaw kind of said the same thing is like being versatile, being able to play multiple positions is huge, especially for a young guy breaking into the major leagues where at maybe your the position you're currently playing, they already have established veterans that won't be moving off that position. Right? So for Matt Shaw, if it's at third base, if it's wherever, like he's gonna take those reps. I I don't think, again, morale would be great if he could be their everyday third baseman. But if he can't prove that he can be, being able to be versatile and at least serviceable defensively, where when injuries happen, when underperformance happens, when a guy needs a break for a couple days, morale can fit in and they don't you know really lose anything. I think that's huge too. So, mm-hmm. although it feels like they've kind of flipped. To talk about morale from we want to find him one mm-hmm. position earlier in the offseason to uh, you know maybe the versatility is a good thing 
I, I think I land on that side where like where whether while it would would be great to have Morrell play one position every day for them, having him be versatile is also not a bad thing either. So I, I but I, I think the way I put it is like they're not in a bad place with Morrell. Yeah, having would, having a guy that maybe can't lock down a position but can play a bunch of different spots so he can still play most games. I think that's that's still a good thing. The reason you'd like him to have a position is that theoretically. He has less to think about in his head, and it won't affect him as a hitter as well, okay? Mm-hmm. He's shown great promise as a hitter, but you want more consistency as a hitter. Theoretically, a player that's just going out and defensively doing the same thing every day, he should be getting better at it, better at it, better at it, and he won't have to think about that too much in between, and it won't interfere with his hitting. But that's now, I kind of feel like that's now up to Christopher Morel. The, the Cubs need to put him in the best position to be the player they want him to be, right? Like they want him to grow and be, but they can't give him everything. And so if he wants that lack of a distraction of having to, uh, I might be at this position like Bryant one day, and it might be this and this and this and this, which is not an easy thing to do. Yeah. Everybody that's ever done it said it's not an easy when thing to do. We talked to Ben Zobris when he joined us in the studio, said the same thing. It's not an easy thing to do, and it could slow down his development even as a hitter. But it's on him now as a professional baseball player Mm -hmm. to get good enough at a position that he can do that and then it will help his hitting as well. Uh, I think it was over the weekend or maybe it was right. Maybe it was Friday. I saw um, an article from The Athletic. I want to say it was either Patrick Mooney or Sahadev Sharma. And it was like it was like talking about the odds increasing or decreasing oh, for Scott for, Boris clients for, yeah. For, yeah. for Scott Boris clients and whoever wrote it, whether it was Sharma or Patrick Mooney, when he got down to Matt Chapman, he, they said that the odds for him to be a cub increased. And I know Matt Chapman is kind of a, <laughs> he's become a topic that people want to just completely avoid because obviously the offense wasn't what you wanted last year. Obviously his defense is elite. He's won a couple of platinum gold gloves and this and that. And if you sign him, perhaps you're blocking Matt Shaw, but because of the Bush trade, it does inc- it. Like I said in the, in that article that I read, it, it does increase the odds of perhaps someone like Matt Chapman because Bush is more likely to play first base or DH mm-hmm. um, because scouts don't necessarily like his defense at third, right? So I'm, I'm curious into how the Cubs are thinking now related to Matt Chapman because how what they're saying about Morrell the fact that after Morrell, all you have after that is Patrick Wisdom and Nick Madrigal, and then Matt Shaw in the waiting, which, and like we've said, like Theo Epstein said many respectfully. times, respectfully, Madrigal and Wisdom, yes. But like what I was getting ready to say, Theo, what, what, what Theo said so many times that we all quote, um, development isn't always linear. We can't just assume that. Matt Shaw is going to be ready in the middle of the year. I I want to believe that that's going to happen, and I want to believe that he is the guy. And maybe the Cubs actually do, and maybe so. Maybe the best thing that they do is do nothing and roll with a mixture of Morel, Wisdom, Magical for half the year until Shaw is wet ready. I I don't know. It depends on what else they do with the roster to make it a potential division winning roster. But if you want to just sure it up now, 
he is a guy that is available and I don't think is going to cost you a ton of money because he's already 31. He's coming off a bad offensive year. If you can get him on it, anything less than four years, I'm open to the idea of it. It's not my first choice of what I would want to happen. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But it does sure up that position defensively, at least. And I do think that he will hit better than he did at Rogers Center at Wrigley Field. Yeah, so, well, in, in the opposite of Cody Bellinger, of what people are concerned with his underlying numbers, like batted ball numbers. Right. Like the batted ball numbers for were really good. were really good despite the <coughs> ultimate results not looking great. Like that. Like right. So I think there's it's a the, lot of... the complete opposite yeah, of it's Cody like Bellinger. So, so people are... I mean, not necessarily high on Chapman, but do believe that the batted ball numbers tell a different story than what, you know, than what the, what the overall numbers actually say. You yeah. know what always looks great? New flooring in your house. <laughs> Empire today, you get to shop at home convenience, the right product for your needs, quick and professional installation and a low price guarantee. Now, there are copycats out there, but they just can't keep up with the quality service speed of Empire because it's all they do. You might go to the big box store and the guy that was in plumbing yesterday might be trying to sell you carpet for your den the next day. Doesn't happen at Empire. They get rid of all the bad samples, the free agents out there, eliminate them, just show you the good stuff and say, this is what you want in your house. And they get that virtual floor designer too. Easy to see how your new flooring will look in any space because you just snap a picture and instantly see how those new floors are going to look in your room. Schedule a free in-home estimate today. All listeners... Here at CHEO, receive a $350 discount. You heard me right. It's not cold. Your ears aren't plugged because it's frozen. The promo code is CHGO. Four critical letters. CHGO. Restrictions apply. See EmpireToday.com slash CHGO to get your $350 discount. Doesn't get much better than that. It doesn't. And by the way, it's also getting easier for businesses to switch to electric vehicles. I don't know if you guys have noticed that, but it's something we can all get behind for the health of the planet or the well-being of all of us who share it as well. Yeah, Luke, the electric grid is evolving to meet your cleaner energy needs as we all move with confidence toward an electric tomorrow. Whether you have one delivery van or a whole fleet of shipping trucks, ComEd can help guide you to make the changes that make sense. 
It's so cold outside. I was hoping I could sleep in an electric vehicle. But now what should business owners do, Cody? Luke, Ryan, Sarah, the chat, the listeners. Yes. The listeners and podcast feed. You got to go to comed.com slash clean. All right. There it is. You're going to learn more about the resources, fleet rebates, and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric. If you own a business, don't wait. Start making your plan today to switch to electric vehicles. Good for business. Good for the planet. Good for all of us. Go to comed.com slash clean. Godfather says go empire. CHGO code. It worked for him. Barb. Go ahead. Just go ahead, Cody. Forgive her. I forgive you, Barb. There it is. Now everybody feels better. There we go. Uh, now, I don't know if everybody feels better about the Hall of Fame thing. So were you... We had Bruce Miles on to talk about the committee that was voting on Sammy Sosa and the other guys from the 2000s for Cubs Hall of Fame. Are you satisfied with Sammy out, but <laughs> Kerry Wood and Aramis Ramirez in? <laughs> okay, so... I kind of tweeted this the other night. Like, obviously, if you've watched or listened to this show in the two years that we've been doing it, like, you know that I'm, like, that Sammy Sosa is a massive reason I am a Cubs fan. And I believe that he deserves to be welcomed back. And, you know, I believe he deserves to be in the Cubs Hall of Fame because it was the Chicago Sammies from 1994 till 2004 or whatever, right? In my opinion. And he in some ways transcended the game, at least for Cubs fans. And it was a massive part of why the Cubs are so popular now and why people, no matter what, when the Cubs are good or bad, people are buying tickets to go to Wrigley Field. I I genuinely believe that. I believe that Sammy Sosa has a massive reasoning in that. That said, in this instance, for the Cubs Hall of Fame, like I can't blame ownership for this. This was a vote from... Former writers like mm-hmm. Kerry Muscat, our friend Bruce Miles, who's been on the current show. Writers, and, and Hall, on current writers, David Hawes on the panel. Current writers and, 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 and Hall of Famers who are f- part of the Cubs organization mm-hmm. who make this vote. So Dawson, Sandberg. Right. No. Billy and, Williams. And they went with Aramis Ramirez and Kerry Wood. Like, I can't yell. I The only thing that I can yell at ownership about, and this has nothing to do with the Cubs Hall of Fame. It has everything to do with just inviting him back for a game. Let him let him do what Ben Zobers did for like the last four years before he came back and threw a first pitch. Just go up in a suite, put him on the freaking video board, and let the crowd give him a standing ovation for five minutes or whatever. Like, that's literally all I'm asking for. Again, I believe he belongs in the Cubs Hall of Fame. I think a lot of people, a lot of fans genuinely feel that. But if you're not going to do, if you're not going to go that route, if you're going to, if, if the writers in the, in the voters, whoever else isn't going to put him in, then him and ownership need to figure this out because it's been long enough, man. It's been long enough. 20 years. Bruce Miles said it to us on the podcast. It's been long enough. He should be welcomed back. Let him come back, run around the bases with the American flag like he did post 9-11, and like just, just give us the electricity that it was because he created an entire generation of fans, and I will stand on that hill forever, all right? But again, that said... Aramis Ramirez was a, also a major part of my childhood, and so was Kerry Wood. And they are a big reason as well as why a lot of fans are Cubs fans, and they had a lot of success here. 
Kerry Wood, not only the 20 strikeout game, but he was also one of the best starting pitchers in 2003 when the Cubs went to the NLCS. He had successful seasons here. If he had stayed healthy, he probably would be would have been on track for a Hall of Fame career, right? Aramis Ramirez was one of the best offensive hitting third basemen during the 2000s, period. Straight up. If he would have had better defense, perhaps he could have gone into the Hall of Fame. He was definitely in the Hall of Very Good when it comes to just entire baseball Hall of Fames. However, I do remember a year ago, we on this podcast sat here and compared his numbers with with Scott Rollins, and they were hilarious because they were very similar. And Scott Rowland got into the Hall of Fame. Fact. It is an actual fact that we did that. So... To bring it around, like I was very happy to see those guys get in. It was the first time that I got to feel some sort of nostalgia. And like it was finally like the Cubs recognizing some guys that millennials could resonate with because they always push the Hall of Famers. And listen, those, those guys were great. They are a big part of the Cubs organization. They they had a lot like they had a lot of success here. But man, I wasn't alive for half of that shit, man. And so for people my age, Ryan's age, like to see guys like Kerry Wood and Aramis Ramirez get recognized for something like this, to me, was absolutely incredible. I honestly, and big of me to admit this, I honestly sat four rows back of the stage and teared up a little bit. Like it was a you full, wept. It was a full yes. circle moment from watching those guys when I was a kid to then. Like, again, they got no, like they learned that they were going to be in the Cubs Hall of Fame in that moment when they walked on the stage. They watched the video that the Cubs made of Kerry Wood's son and Aramis Ramirez's son, like reading off like this letter that they wrote to them, right? In that moment, they watched that video and then whenever like it was over, they walked out on the stage and got to feel the excitement and the applause from the fans that were there. And it was honestly, if you ask me what my favorite moment of, the, of Cubs Con, it was that. It was incredible to be able to sit there and watch that as as someone who watched them growing up, who who was a fan, a fan of this team because of guys like that. It was yeah. awesome. So, yeah. I mean, congratulations I, to them. Like I, uh, I was too young to I, I don't remember Kerry Woods best years, you know, like 98 right. you had the back end 98, 03. Like, I, I don't I don't I don't remember that really. Um, maybe, maybe a little bit of 03, but um, I do remember Kerry Wood as a reliever on the Cubs. And that 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 was, and this is something that Kerry Wood talked about, that, you know, with the injuries and people telling him, whether it was doctors or fans or whoever, that he would never do it again. Um, and he even said that at one point he was just playing so that his son could, like, watch him and get sure. old enough to remember what he did. Um, and so, but to, like, to keep coming back, to reinvent himself from, you know, one of the hottest starting pitching Young, young starting pitchers in the game to uh, really, he, he made the all-star team in 2008 as a reliever, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's a, a good story of perseverance and why I think Harry Wood has endeared himself to so many Cubs. Why, why he's such a, a major, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I want to say icon, but major icon for the Cubs just because um, of that story of a guy that was so electric and then went through just tough times and to come out on the other side and to keep doing it and to, you know, walk off the field on his own terms. I think that's another thing. It's like the way he walked the, off the field with his son hugging him was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Yeah. So like he was able, instead of, you know, going down with Tommy John surgery or whatever and, and, and never pitching again, he got to walk off the field when he wanted to with his son on his arms. I think that's like a great moment, but then just the story coming out on the other end and being able to finish in a way, finish what you started is great. And then, like you said, Aramis Ramirez, I mean, he was a huge part of those 2000s Cubs teams. Obviously, the trade from the Pirates to the Cubs in 03 and, and kind of going through the next few years where 
you know, 04 and 05 had expectations and, and, and stunk, and then 06 was bad. Um, but then being one of the real leaders on that um, 07, 08 team, the, the 07, 08 teams um, that both won the Central, and obviously that 90 or that 08 team was a 98 win, something yep. like that, 97 wins, one of the better regular season teams in Cubs history. Uh, he was a major part of that. And, um, again, like he had the, the batting stance that is so memorable, had a bunch of big moments for the Cubs. Um, you know, it was a great – another great fan favorite and and yeah so f- for me yeah like i'm, I'm kind of with you. like guys that i actually identify um from watching the cubs growing up because i i, I didn't watch many i didn't watch any of the hall of famers when they played i'll tell you that much um <laughs> but i did watch carrie wood and ramos ramirez make all-star teams pitch big games for the cubs or hit in big games for the cubs um and so yeah it, it is getting to that point where like the guys the the modern Cubs, right? The, the post 2000s Cubs, some of those great teams that we remember, even though they obviously broke Cubs fans' hearts again, um, they're getting recognition for what they did. And I think that's pretty cool. And so, like, Kerry Wood and Ramirez for that era were definitely two of the bigger names. I've seen Derek Lee get thrown out there, who's another name that really good probably one. belongs. Soriano. And, yeah, Soriano was. was, was just right. not as long as Aramis. Yeah, yeah, just not the yeah. longevity. And, mm-hmm. um, but. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's more success out of those two, I yeah, think. I mean, Zambrano's probably going to Zambrano. get in there at some point. But, like, you're start, yeah, you're starting to see guys from those teams that we all younger people identified with. Um, I think yeah, that's pretty cool to see that. Yeah. By the way, if you want to buy Kerry Woods eight and a half million dollar home in Winnetka, it is for sale currently. <laughs> really? So if you got that kind of mildo, spread it around. Uh, thanks. Yeah, give to, me some. Thanks for checking out the CHGO Cubs podcast. We are back here tomorrow. Live at 1.30. The Blackhawks have a special guest, Nick Foligno, joining live and on their like show button. today. Hit, the like, uh, hit the, the like button on the way out. We appreciate it. Hope you enjoy the rest of your holiday. Stay warm. And we will be back here live tomorrow. Thanks for checking out the CHGO Cubs podcast. Until tomorrow, Tuesday. Thanks for watching and fly the W. Y'all silly like the mayor. 